Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here with The Pure Now Show. This is episode number nine. My guest on the show today is Lee Than Thung, AKA Crazy Monkey. Crazy Monkey is a creative director and visual artist right here in Ho Chi Minh City. He's doing experimentation in visual installations and immersive environments. His company is called The Box Collective. Here we go. Hey, Tong, how's it going, man? Hey, man, I'm good, how are you? Very good, brother, so good to see you. Thanks so much for taking some time to jump on the Pure Now show with me. I know you're a super busy cat and we've, uh, We've tried and stopped and tried, and here you are. So I'm, I'm really glad to see you, man. So glad to, 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 to make it, finally make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, we at uh, Balance Studio are huge fans of your work. And I want to start off, one of our uh, animators and motion designers had a question for you. question comes from Sun. He wants to know how large is your normal workload? for mapping and music visual work, for projection work. He wants to know what's that workload look like and, and how do you manage that? So normally the uh, the workload for, for that kind of project, it took me a month, like normally a month. So uh, when I get the first brief and then until I deliver the final product, because uh, the music video and uh, mapping is involved a lot of people. It's not only me, but also other departments as well. And it's also related to uh, software and hardware uh, engineer. So normally it took a month. Sometimes it's even it's even shorter. It's, it's really depends on the timeline of the client. So I, I remember we, we run a, a, a mapping show in Hanoi. We have a week, just one week for preparing everything. So uh, it means like we had to spend a lot of OT, like overtime working, and uh, uh, have to fly to Hanoi for rehearsal. So everything's so tight. But yeah, we we, we got that pro that kind of project already. And how many people are usually on your team that have to handle something like that? Um, so normally, I um, for the project which is we have a month, I can involve even ten people to help me. But for some project which is like a week or two weeks. You know, short term, I can uh, just enroll like a, a very short number of, of people, like even three or four people only. Uh, I, I pick the best people that, that can handle uh, multi workloads, so can, they, can, they can help me on, on, on that kind of project. And uh, so for now, we have about like uh, 12 people in the team now. Thanks so much for answering that question. All right now, I want to take you back to that spark, that seed, that first mm-hmm. thing that informed you, I guess, as a child at some point that you were gonna go down this path, that you had the creative bug and you wanted to be a creative person. You wanted to express yourself a certain way. Do you remember when maybe this all started? What was that quintessential event that inspired you and informed you that you were gonna be a visual artist of sorts? So to be honest, like I'm, I'm not thinking to become uh, a visual artist uh, five years ago. I just want to become something else, like uh, illustrator, or I just want to become an animator. But then you know, slowly when I informed me to the kind of artwork, you know, and I met uh, a lot of artists. So uh, I think that I, I should adding some add value into my work. So it's mean like I more serious on becoming a visual artist just not long ago. But you know, when I was try, I, uh, because my dad is always drawing a lot, but he's he not a painter, but he uh, spending a lot of his time for you know, investing into drawing with oil painting, with uh, uh, watercolor. And uh, I think I, I observed that kind of atmosphere when I was trying and grow older, I cannot use a computer and uh, I think that's, a good, that's the best tool for me to create something because I love a uh, computer game so at the same time I can use computer to, to making something powerful and that's for me it's great so I can I start to use Photoshop when i about like 12 or 13 and who, who showed you how to use Photoshop when you were 12 or 13? 
I is one of my uh, uh, relative. So uh, as a summer when I uh, spending my time to helping my my auntie in Vietnam we have uh, some just kind of photocopy shop, you know. You bring your document to that shop and then they print out everything for you. So I don't know if in the Western they they, they have that kind of service, but in Vietnam it's very popular. So I can spend my uh, spending my summer time for for that kind of work, I, I supporting my auntie shop and um, because that time so I I, I learned Photoshop and the software is called Corrent Pro. At the very beginning, uh, I I use that kind of professional software and, uh, and and then I realized that it's not that hard. So. Uh, as a spending time, you know, uh, learning slowly myself by myself, and, um, and then I, I reached the point where I studied in the professional college, and uh, it's really like study uh, that type of software and uh, skill sets. So, is that what springboarded you into going into the advertising world? Because you didn't stay in the advertising world, but you stuck your toe in that water for a while. And it obviously was not satisfying enough for you creatively, but uh, but you did go in that direction first. So what what took you in the advertising direction? It happened for me very surprisingly. So in 2008, I uh, I have a chance to practice in in a contest. Uh, it's called Vietnam Young Lion. I saw it uh, two years. In the first year, I fell, but in the second year, I won the first prize. For the first year, uh, I fell, but I uh, I went to Mississippi City for the first time of my life, and uh, I met a lot of people. And there are some people working in the advertising industry in in, in this city. So when I back to Hanoi and uh, I finish I finish my college, and uh, one of them is asking me for a job or offer. I just uh, back to Ho Chi Minh City for working. Yeah, this is how advertising comes to me. So I'm, I'm not preparing anything. I, I graduated from uh, Thai Arts University. I'm not uh, studying marketing, but I just start my first job in advertising agency as an illustrator. And then I'm spending like uh, four years there. Uh, Four years in that industry. I even went to Cannes, that's the um, Cannes in France, and I practiced in Cannes uh, Cannes uh, Lion, which is the uh, biggest advertising competition competition in the world, biggest uh, advertising festival in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a zone. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. That's really that's as big as it gets, man. I mean, you were yeah, right it, there. Yeah, and the it's, it's very funny because I'm 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 not expect that, you know. It's very just. Uh, I just come to that industry very easy, and very like uh, starting very low as an illustrator, doing storyboard. And then yeah. How did you leverage this experience in advertising? And then of course you went out of advertising later, and went mm. more into uh, the visual arts, which is your passion, of course. Uh, so there's uh, several reasons for me to leave that uh, industry. Uh, the time for my my first time working in. In my first uh, advertising agency, and I, I met a lot of great people, and they inspired me a lot, and I learned a lot from them. But in reality, when you're uh, working in that industry, and then you uh, have to deal with the deadline, and have to deal with the client, uh, several clients, and, and then you you feel like after a few years, you feel like you, you burn out. And I uh, even I'm yeah, very young at that stage, I'm about 25 or something. I feel like I'm burned out already, so I, I feel like there's something wrong. But I'm, uh, I, I don't have any passion to to to, 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 to do that anymore. So uh, one night when I um, browsing for idea, you know, that's kind of you know, reference research. That process it took me a lot of time. And uh, when I browsing for idea, I, I I saw some visual stuff like some generative visual from uh, a guy called Visa Spader. So that guy from Hong Kong and um, he did a, a lot of generative graphic. So at that moment, I I realized that I want to create something with my hand. 
So I realized a lot of things. In advertising, what I'm doing is I only giving idea, and then someone else is gonna do that for me, like a production house, a producer, uh, help me to do the whole TPC, and I'm not even have to sketch my idea out. The illustrator help me to do that. So at that moment, I feel like oh, so it's um, it's great to 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 hang on on something, and then do something crazy like this guy. So uh, I just spent a whole night to, to research on that things. But at the very beginning, I don't know what is this called anyway. Today. I don't know what he's doing. Is it motion graphic? No. Is this a, a graphic design? No. It's for something very strange. And um, you know, lucky me, like, because it's the same year, the EDM wave is, is come to Vietnam. And they have a, a first outdoor EDM festival happening in Hanoi on that year. I mean, like in the whole country, like no one do that type of things. And uh, I just uh, start to learn it, and then I can do that. So I, I, I just jump in, and then and then I do the first music festival. I do the first, uh, you know, visual, uh, LED visual for that festival. In, you know. wow. So things just going and going. Yeah. So um, I think I have a little bit lucky in my career, you know, uh, learning the, the right thing at the right moment. Yeah, you definitely seem to be at the right place at the right time, and uh, you're being selected to move forward in the game. So you've done this event, you've found this new thing that you're very passionate about. When did you start your first business? Oh. So um, it happened very naturally, you know. When I start working as a DJ, I still have to spending, you know, uh, time to working on uh, advertising industry. But that's another only only thing that can, I can make money at that time. Uh, everything for vision is only for fun. But then slowly, when I have my client uh, base, and then you know, as I told you, the EDM work is. Uh, it's come to Vietnam, so there's a lot of music festival, music event, and a lot of offer for that kind of uh, service. So I do visual for nightclub, and I do visual for my friend DJ. I create a visual pack for them. So it's a, a lot of offer, and I slowly uh, building my team. So a lot of uh, there's some uh, graphic designer follow me from the one, so I building them as a team. And then I just get uh, the project, and then it's slowly form a team, and then we have to make it official. And uh, I just pick the name, it's the Box Collective. So the collective is mean like it's a collective of a lot of artists together, and uh, Box is mean like something unfold, like something uh, when it opens the box, it's gonna see some magical happen. So that's the idea. And uh, so that's the, yeah, that's the reason why I, 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 I step into this industry very professional. I want to build, it's not a team, but a company with a project and, and then we can able to get a bigger project. So that's why I just formed uh, building a company uh, about four years ago. And how many people are in the collective now? So now it's uh, 12 people. But beginning we only have like three people and then uh, it's a number up and down. Uh, as a highest point, we have more than 20 people. 20 people before 2020, you know, and then pandemic happened. The pandemic happened, so we have to narrow down a lot and try to survive. How did your business come in? How did you grow your business? How did you deal with you know, the pains of growth and the challenges of growing your own business? When I first started my comedy, um, you know, uh, everything is uh, is coming very naturally. There's a client that used to work with me and then they come and, 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 and slowly they, they grow. So they offer us a bigger project. So that's at the moment I, I'm facing uh, a new challenge that I have to manage people. I'm, I'm, I'm growing the number of my team, so it means like I, I need people to help me to manage them. And also at the same time, I have to keep the fire going. You know, keep the fire going so it can inspire everyone. And uh, I'm hiring people, I'm hiring people, and uh, I'm, I'm hiring uh, a bigger office space. 
because it's very beginning. It's it's worse like uh, it's like a freelancing. Uh, we uh, it's supposed to have the, uh, very uh, our our workspace in our home, and then we we using uh, Skype for communications. But then we we decide to to rent in a space, and uh, I'm never good at handling the business. You know? So thankfully, I have my wife happy on financial things. So um, she she used to have uh, all the work, but then uh, when uh, when I share my uh, difficulty difficulty with, with, with her, so she decided to uh, to quit her job and uh, spending time to to grow business with me, and also oh. spending time to yeah spending time to to grow our. First kid, and yeah. so is she still had, part of the company? To, yeah, she was a part of the company. Uh, she was a kind of uh, financial uh, accounting member that can help me to, to handle all the paperwork and tasks. And then when we have about like fifteen people, I think that's the uh, maximum that I can I can manage. And I'm trying to uh, try. I'm kind of confusing like how to grow it bigger. How to grow my team bigger? That's the that's the question that I had about like uh, two years ago. When when you start up everything, uh, anything, then it reaches a point where where you don't know how to grow it anymore. So that moment, I I, I met uh, Mike. Where I because I did a couple of projects with with Mike. Yeah, Mike Brown from from Canada, and uh, he uh, he offered to. He's the first offer, so I never think about it before. You know, like I don't, I just don't have any idea to to selling my company to anyone else. So that's my who offer it, and then uh, yeah, and then um, because with my wife and also with the team member, like to see like how how they want to grow and what they wish to for for their, their career. So I think that it's a bad to uh, to handshake with with someone like Mike to yeah. help my to to help my comrades uh, growing and help uh, help we go to the next level of what we are doing. So uh, on 2019, I decided to to join this group. I've been to Capital City a couple times, Capital Studios, and uh, it's an amazing place. Seems perfect fit for you because they're on the bleeding edge of technology, and uh, it gives you a lot of latitude to stay with the latest technology and keep your crew with all the right gear and be well-funded to be able to really create things that your clients maybe had no idea that you were capable of creating. And, and, and they're producing a lot of super high-end content like on-the-fly graphics, stuff that is just happening instantly. They're also getting into the virtual world. I know there's a lot of virtual yeah, production that's being done there. So how are you integrated in all that? So the virtual production is the funny thing, you know, like, um, because of pandemic, so the whole industry of uh, TV production and event production, they, they chore work, they, they come to that kind of small work, it's called virtual production, right? So now everyone asking yeah. for that. So the funny thing is we, uh, we have uh, the adventures to start with kind of production from very early. I think that's why Mike is interested in Box because we uh, we working with real time graphic uh, engines from uh, from the very beginning because it helps us uh, you know it helps us to render faster and also uh, helps us to to do a lot of visual performing live with music so that's the reason why why we. Uh, start to learn and start to using uh, real-time uh, graphic engines from the very beginning. And then we, we're working with several of software, one of them is called Unreal Engine. And then it's happened to become a, a most popular real-time graphic engine in the world. Because now it's, that's a core virtual production. 
So when you talk about virtual production, you talk about real to graphic, and then you talk about Unreal Engines. Because Unreal Engines, it offers a lot of uh, tools for you to working on the character, and, and now is everyone. Uh, start to learn Unreal Engines. Everyone trying to use Unreal Engine for, for their uh, virtual productions, and everyone trying to understand real-time graphics. What is real-time graphics? But now we uh, we have all of that knowledge and all of that human resource uh, about four years before, four to five years before this uh, this moment. So I I mean like we have the best preparation for this uh, situation uh, than anyone else in the country. And that's interesting coming from Vietnam, which is typically behind creatively yeah. and technologically. So it's pretty amazing that you're working with this group and you guys are far out front being able to offer uh, interesting solutions that I'm sure are happening nowhere else in this country. Yeah, it was kind of a, a zone, you know, and, and, and for now just um, some um, virtual production studio it happened in, in the city already, and they are using the same tool that we that we using, and um, yeah, that interesting to see. You've been in Saigon for what, eleven years? About eleven years, yes. And you and you're from Hanoi originally, correct? Yeah. But you decided to come here, I would imagine, for the opportunity that you probably would not have been able to get in Hanoi. Yeah, that's an opportunity, and also like uh, I want to be independent. I, I I live with my family, typical traditional Vietnamese family that I spending um, more than twenty years just uh, stay with my parents. So it's just time for me to to be independent. You know, come come to a different city for working and living. You know, so the main. The first reason for me to do Hanoi is very simple. I just want to live. I just want to try the new thing, you know, to meet the new people. And even my, uh, it's, it's not about money. It's not about uh, opportunity. That's the very beginning. But yeah, when it, when I spending a year in in Minh City, so what is hook me stay in this city is uh, my networking. And, what were some of your challenges? I mean, because coming from Hanoi, it's your first break, your first sign of independence and getting your life started on your own. What kind of challenges were you faced with and how did you meet those? So the first challenge is I used to live very uh, comfortable and convenient in my house in Hanoi. But then when I moved to Saigon, you know, and my parents then support me. So I, uh, I had to live uh, in my uh, in my auntie uh, room. So she had a property here, and she had a, a sky Dara uh, in this one. So I just lived in there, and, um, and uh, there's no air conditioner, and uh, <laughs> uh, there's no kitchen at all. Can try to leave it, but I save a lot of money. For the first year, and also um, when I first come to this city, I, I feel like it's, uh, it's a lot of nice people. I met a lot of nice people, but also I met a lot of people that it, so it doesn't doesn't like the people from the north. Like they doesn't like the people from Hanoi, and I feel that they, they doesn't like me, so they doesn't support me. So I just try to stay away from that. But, and uh, a little bit soft at the very beginning because I, I never faced that kind of behavior before. But now it's, um, I'm getting used to that, and uh, I think that it's, it's, it's just a feeling that someone first come to uh, a new city and then you, you're very sensitive. You know? You're very sensitive, you can feel a lot of different emotions. But now, you know, after 11 years, it's okay. <laughs> you have and, two and, children? Um, yeah, I have two kids right now. The one is uh, one eight years old, and the other one is uh, one year old. You got your hands full right there. <laughs> yeah, the mental. So my whole family is here. I have my wife, my kid, and uh, some of uh, sometimes my parents fly here. 
her parents fly here, so yeah. How often do you get back to Hanoi? Because of my work, so I often visit Hanoi quite a lot, you know, maybe two or three times a month. Oh, okay. Then, you know, the COVID happened, so I was um, maybe six months already, uh, and uh, I don't come back to Hanoi. When you left the first time, did you leave with your parents' approval, or did you leave without their approval? So luckily, there's a good care. There's a dozen care. <laughs> so, at the time I finished my chorus, and uh, I said, because with them about my, my zone in Saigon, and I think they, they get tired of me already. So they just uh, <laughs> ask, they just ask me like, uh, are you sure to do that? I answer them, I'm sure, I'm sure with my season. And then they just let me go. I even yeah. had to pay for my flight tickets, you know. But they do support me on, on the internal, you know, for example, my, they, they talk with, um, with the auntie and uh, see if leave a space in, in the lab for me to leave. So I'm spending a year there uh, and uh, saving a lot of money. So that's the kind of support for them. Yeah, you really sweat it out too with no AC. Because of that, so I I would like to spend more time in my office rather than where I live. So I become someone very like uh, work hard in, in in my co in my coworker hours yeah. because I always spending a lot of time in the office, even in the weekend. As of very beginning, I don't have any connection, I don't have any friend here, so I was just spending the whole weekend to come to the office and have an AC and internet and everything is very comfortable. Just spending time there to, to, to study and work in. Do you think that being forced into that, it kind of helped you develop your work ethic and how you how you work? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's one reason that's make me also forming my behavior on, uh, on working. You know? So it's make me a lot more independent. On, uh, on my working process. So it's, it's really like training me a lot because that situation, yeah, you're right. Tell me about a, a project that really sticks with you, that uh, really informed you, it was very inspirational, it, you learned, you got a lot from it. What's that one project that you worked on that really sticks out in your mind? There's a lot of projects going on in my head right now. But I, uh, I remember one from like this, uh, at the time when I, uh, when I doing my uh, visual art for years, and uh, uh, I have a chance to, I have a chance to fly to France for a month. For uh, you know, it's kind of artist camp, you know, in in, in the city is called La Rose in France, and. Um, I have a chance to visit for one of the, one of their DJ. It's called his name is DJ Netic. His music is it's hip hop music. So at that time, you know, I I have to think uh, a way to bring my art value uh, into what I'm working as a DJ. You know, because before. I used to think like visa is a big thing of video, so I can pick whatever video I found on the internet, whatever interesting video, mix them together, it doesn't matter, as long as it's eye candy and it's interesting. But with that project, I, because I'm, I'm an only Vietnamese artist in, in that city, and also um, they expect to see something for my country for my traditional. So I first create some Buddha, you know, Buddha uh, face, you know, uh, smiling, and then a lot of Vietnamese uh, face uh, pattern, like uh, a lotus pattern and some traditional uh, Vietnamese uh, pattern, adding into that visual uh, set. So when I play it, uh, everyone uh, loves it. Everyone is appreciate that the art from a Vietnamese artists. So it's really like changing my perspective on what I'm doing. Yeah, it's funny. It's really like give me an idea like I can make art from that kind of tool. 
I can become a visual artist. I can become not only a normal DJ, not only a normal like a mixing video guy for the festival, but also use that kind of tool to create artwork. So that project was so inspiring to you through the response that you got. Uh, that's kind of stayed with you, I would imagine. Yeah, it's um. So at that moment, it's training me, it's training my perspective on what I'm doing, you know, and I used to think not very serious on, on the vision, because I started as a, you know, very, um, something interesting I found on the internet and then tried to learn and tried to practice it and, um, you know, but it's that, with that project, I, I realized that I can make something unique and it seems to me that you are sitting perfect, especially working with uh, Capital Studios, where you know you've had this exposure to EDM early on, and now you're working creating visual landscapes, stages, and all kinds of virtual environments for shows that can only happen online now because of COVID. So, do you think, in some ways? that COVID has been a creative partner for you in the sense that it has forced you into this tube of doing work a certain way with or without COVID. Do you see the industry going in this direction anyway? For me, like before the pandemic, I do think that the industry is going to the industry in that direction. That everything, you know, that online and virtual production is going to be a new platform. It's not because of the pandemic. The pandemic is just a softbox that forces everyone follows that path because that is only the that's the only one choice. That's the only choice for them. But then you know, without the pandemic, the virtual and real time graphic gonna be the uh, industry standard for for what we are doing now. For example, graphic design. Graphic design in, in the future, like. Uh, the consumer will expect more from uh, the static content. They need to responsive content. They need to change the, uh, the design contents, follow what they want. They need the interactive menu from the restaurant. They need the uh, uh, interactive invitations so they can browse more information. That's the rise of the whole industry, right? So real-time graph is going to be replace uh, a lot of software that we are using. Yeah, that's a thing that make me like um, consider to follow that part from, from very early, even before the battle. For me, to start learning real-time graphics for now, even like earlier, it's always a good decision. Because real-time graphic can support you on a lot of things and then open a lot of new paths for you. In your working process and this did push on the accelerator to make certain things happen faster that were an eventuality that were in development but it forced us to speed up the development of all this so we could live yeah. uh, during this time yeah i do think even like after the pandemic even like after the pandemic finished this kind of thing gonna be the new platform for our industry you see like how amazing is the uh, support on your TV, television, on the van, and a lot of new possibility for the production. Right? Can you talk about that? Because a lot of people are unfamiliar with this type of media, what this looks like, what a client can access and how their message and, and brand can be delivered in a whole new way. How is this technology or these emerging technologies, how are these gonna help big brands translate their message and, and increase their ROI? Um, so for example, we heard a lot about uh, virtual influencer, right? Virtual influencer, virtual pay well. This means like the, that's a talent and a famous artist on, on social media, but be created by uh, a computer graphic. So they are not real. They are only visible on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, and even on YouTube. But they are made from a 3D computer graphic. 
that's a new type of KOL that brand can work with them. They can do a photo shoot, they can uh, appear in a music video, they can interact with their fans because they are made from a graphic, comic graphic, so, so they can transform and they can be very interesting for the viewer. So that's a new wave of uh, um, online uh, entertainment budget. So the question is, how are they going to appear? So with virtual production, they can appear on the real stage alongside with the real artists. So the technology can help make a lot more possibility for the brand and for, for the creativity to make something that you uh, even not imagine for now become real. So a lot of co connection dots happen, like uh, when you make your talent or your virtual talent appear on the real stage in the event. So you can make her appear in, in the VR headset and also on, on AR device. So a lot of new platforms for the brands can interact with the consumer. For now, like the consumer, they're using the cell phone every day, every moment. And the cell phone can support you to see uh, AR graphic uh, with your camera. You can power it to your uh, to your invitation, and they can see a graphic appear from that invitation. And I mean that that's a kind of a new channels for for marketing and for interact with the uh, with the new consumer. And I think that I, I do think the brand love it. So with the help of technology, brand can accept to a lot more channel with their consumer. This seems to be the new frontier yeah. uh, for marketing and advertising. How has it been for you? Because this has also brought you closer maybe to working with celebrities. How has that brought you closer to the entertainment industry, to people of influence, people who are famous? Yeah, I had a lot of uh, opportunities to work in famous celebrities and, and amazing artists. So, uh, so recently I just worked with a wind rapper. I just uh, do the whole uh, music video for him with virtual technology. So changing uh, his background in real time so he can interact with his uh, imagination room in real time. So that's amazing. It's very fun when uh, during our suit, you know, the artist and then the DOP uh, can see what happened in the CGI in real time. So that's amazing. That's uh, I think that's an amazing experience for for us. And also, I'm uh, working with Quang Thien, uh, the famous singer in Vietnam, doing uh, MP in the whole uh, virtual environment. Also, it's very natural collaboration because. Uh, I'm working with technology, and I'm not only the technical guys, I'm also creative guys. So I creative out of the technology that we are investing every day. So when I have any like new idea, like how we're going to use that kind of technology, I just share it on my media channel, and I just uh, talk with them. And even they, they have some idea, they talk with me. They check out that if it is possibility to do that, and they ask me, and uh, yeah, and then we, we talk, and then we just forming idea bigger and bigger until the point where uh, we have to tell each other, okay, let's do it. That's a very uh, smooth collaboration process. Of course, because the celebrity, the famous artist, they want something new for their latest singer. They want something new for for their comeback. They want to renew their branding. So with all of that needs, they they asking for a new elements. Help them to, to do that. I watched your interview on Viet Cetera, which was really good with your buddy there. You used the term the middle way. You said that in the beginning, mm. uh, when you were starting your company, you're feeling a little lonely a little unsteady, a little unsure, mm. and that you resorted to reading some books. And you're a guy that goes after information. You're not afraid to educate yourself. I mean, it's probably why you are where you are is because you've spent so much time doing research <laughs> and spending the time to find things out. But you use the term the middle way a couple of times, which is my favorite term. 
because it comes from, I don't think originally, but a philosopher by the name of Alan Watts. The middle way was his term that he used. You know, whenever you go out to extremes, you know, it requires polarity to bring you back. So extreme requires extreme even to get back to the middle. But I appreciated that you have a mindset and you use that term a couple of times about staying in the middle, not getting too far to the right, not getting too far to the left. It's always, you know, more manageable in the middle. Is this kind of a philosophy that you've taken to manage your life? Because there are times when things get extreme, you know, working with clients, working with your family, things get extreme sometimes. And uh, it seems like you've used this staying in the middle approach to get a good handle on your life and keep things reasonable. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Those are the uh, philosophy for me to, to keep uh, everything balanced in my life. I was born 16 October, so uh, I'm a Libra. And the Libra is type of person tries to balance everything. I'm, I'm not extreme to this part or that part. Try to always in the middle, in, even in the conversation, so I, so I can listen with my both ears. Even when I hear something, I stay in the middle, so I can use my both ears to uh, to hear the story. So I hear that from the two's perspective. So I keep using that philosophy and adapting it into everything in my life. It feels wonderful. It's a very reasonable way to operate. It keeps you out of danger for the most part because when you stay in the middle, the extremes don't go looking for you. You're harder to find. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's keeping your mind always clear and always like balance is very important. So I, I think that's the main, that's also the factor that keep me staying inside for a long, for a long time. But I feel like this city is uh, it's very open. It's a lot of uh, opportunity and uh, also uh, in terms of society, we support the LGBT community very, from very early. So people, like, they can feel like they can express themselves when they come to the city. They can express uh, their full, full of themselves, their full potential. And um, I feel like if, uh, if you too extreme on something, you know, and then you are uh, too extreme in, in what you believe, and then you're gonna find a hard time to live in the city. So the way is, you should stand in the middle, and then look at everything surrounding you, observe it, and then balance with your even your opinions, and then you can feel like, oh, this uh, this city is gonna be. It's a lot of new things and I can blend into it. So that's why I can live in the city for 11 years. It's brilliant here and, uh, and I good. appreciate that I am welcomed here and nurtured and accepted and not just accepted, like appreciated. I mean, even with the history between our two countries, I am treated so well here and am having such a, an incredible time. And Saigon is obviously a very special place. I know that you are very passionate about your connection to Vietnam and about being Vietnamese. I totally appreciate and understand that connection. Just from my perspective, obviously I'm an outsider, but the longer I'm here, the more inside I become. People tell me, you know, you're eating fish sauce with chilies every day. You're Vietnamese, dude, you're Vietnamese. So I've been blessed. I've been blessed with people telling me that I have like cross the threshold of becoming Vietnamese, at least, you know, quasi-Vietnamese. That's That's uh, and I've, I've let my brothers and sisters know back home that get sick of extreme nonsense and chaos. Vietnam's doors will be open at some point again. And uh, I highly recommend at least come for a visit and, and at least be surrounded by peaceful people for a little while so you can take it down a few hundred thousand notches and that's that's <laughs> been my favorite thing here is just the peacefulness honestly yeah man so it's, um, the people here they say it's uh, very open so very open arm for everything right and uh, you can see like uh, 
it's very easy to live here. It's very easy to handle the situation here. It's uh, so some people said that in, in, in Vietnam they they don't have a human right, or they don't have a, a freedom. But then uh, when my friend, my my friend from America, say uh, he went to the city and then it's the first day he told me, hey, they took this is freedom right away out there on the streets, like people driving that almost by go to different directions and that's a freedom. You know, you can park everywhere, even when you you come to the bridge, you can park there and then look at the sunset. That's a freedom. And then you come to a restaurant, you just park there, you park your bike there, and then you just come to eat phone, you know, take a bowl of phone. And that's a freedom for him, and I think it's right. It's, it's really like a different perspective. <laughs> well, I think people are clueless. They, they have some weird preconceived notion of what a, uh, a communist government is because we've got all this historical garbage in our heads of stories of evil and and yeah. mistrust and and you know what i've had more freedom here than any freedoms i had in a democratic society where everybody's nuts you can do anything you want here just don't do anything outrageously stupid that draws too much attention to you but you literally can do anything here in vietnam anything this is a completely free and open society i actually cannot name one negative thing that I've had in my experience here in a year and a half. Not one thing. I can't complain about anything. I don't see anything wrong. There's less homeless here. There's less people suffering here. There's less difficulty here. I've never seen anybody other than the married couple next door that argue with each other. There's no people running around killing each other with guns here. There's no violence here. It's pretty perfect, <laughs> frankly, yeah. as far as I can tell. All right, here, I got a question for you. If you could not do what you're doing, is there any other type of job that you would want? Or not even job per se. If you could not do what you were doing, what else would you choose to do? So if I cannot, uh, <laughs> that's a very funny question. If I cannot do what I'm doing here, what I'm doing now is, I'm gonna open a phone, the store. I love, store? And I love phone, you know? Yeah, a phone, you know, I can. I can make a noodle for noodle every day, you know, sliding meat, and uh, and, and uh, bring the bowl to every table. I can do that every day. I, I love that. I love that process, you know. And uh, I do think that when I maybe when I getting older, maybe I open a for restaurant or something. I got a ear for sector to mapping some visual shit on ah, on that phone. Ah. <laughs> Well, you should have the coolest pho shop in all of Saigon. Yeah, they kind of loosened pho. <laughs> Everybody loves pho. Yeah. You can get it 24 hours a day here in the city. You can eat every time, and they make pho. It's very quick, so you can order that uh, meal in 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 the uh, in the fast food the timing. But then you, you enjoy it as a slow food. What advice do you have for young creative people who are coming up in the business? It's not waiting for for the knowledge to come to you. You have to have to correct it. You have to start to research and start to learn by yourself uh, new things, new new software uh, from from today. Because uh, the new software and new knowledge will happen every day. They create something new to solve the problem, and, you, and then you have to learn that. To facing new challenges like this time right okay my last question is where does crazy monkey come from oh <laughs> so crazy monkey it's my favorite uh, mtv show it's about like 13 years ago it's quite a long time you know when they're still using uh, a red apple as a logo for mtv right i don't remember but i saw that so you know that's a couple of uh, Crazy do do some crazy shit and and at the end they're showing the MTV logo in the hands. You can you can you still can search for for that thing on uh, YouTube and um, that's the first thing when I saw uh, at the join and uh, I saw a lot of cool animation from uh, on MTV. And, and remember when they do a lot of cool crazy 
crazy graphic animation with their logo. So I saw that, and uh, I think it's cool. So it's uh, also uh, invite me to to follow this path, become a, a visual artist in the future. So yeah, it's, it's very silly to pick that name. You know, I, I never think much. Uh, I just uh, want to pick a, a cool name to to be in the forum and to impress some girls and uh, as a big crazy monkey <laughs> and and it's, uh, it become my nickname when I first I, I had my first work in a magazine it's called Mahok Chong and uh, it's just follow me very naturally because it seems that people love that nickname and it's make people do remember on what I'm doing so I just okay with that, and then I'm 33 now, and I still the people still call me crazy monkey. So <laughs> sometimes I feel a little bit sad, you know, because uh, so I went to Taiwan two years ago. I went to Taiwan and I, I do some performing. Also have a work to exhibit. I see there, and uh, in the flyers they name my name is uh, crazy monkey, and uh, it's not a real name, so it's. I'm very sorry because that exhibition is uh, happened in a museum. It's a formal, a very formal place, and uh, the nickname is kind of kitty. So, <laughs> when people say, uh, tell me it's uh, it's fine. So I think it was yeah. fine. It's a good solid brand, and and actually because it was such a formal type of situation, oh. it maybe drew even more attention to you because it was so, you know, out there. <laughs> well, I totally appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, you're a great guy, super talented. We're big fans of you over at Balance. And, and thanks again for being on the show, really. Well, thank you, Mark, and, and the team to make it happen. Yeah, see you soon. If you enjoyed the Pure Now show, you can check out more episodes at balancestudio.tv or anywhere fine podcasts are broadcast. Pure Now is produced and engineered by Hi Ha Dang. Special thanks to our media sponsor, Maybe, and iDesign.vn. Thanks so much for watching.